Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Davey. And we have a special Veterans Day episode for you. Love it's the first this. time that we've done this, but we want to obviously a- acknowledge and say that we're so grateful for any of you who are veterans, the men and women yes. who have served our country and protected the freedoms that we that we enjoy. And today we want uh, we, we have a great conversation and it's a very appropriate conversation for Veterans Day. Um, I just recently met uh, a guy at a widower retreat that I helped to lead. His name's Jim Ravella. And as he began to share stories with me um, of, of the things that he's experienced in losing his wife and then remarrying wow. a widow who she's got an unbelievable story. I said, I've got to have you and Ginger, your wife, on the podcast. Amazing. And so we're hearing from Jim and Ginger Ravella today. Jim joined the Gary Sinise Foundation, which is a very prolific organization. Um, and, and he joined them in May 2019 as the vice president of outreach. He's married to Ginger Gilbert Ravella, who she currently serves as an ambassador for the foundation, speaks nationally, raising awareness for veterans and their families, as well as speaking for women's groups and churches. Um, and they recently documented their journey in a new book, Hope Found. We also They also have a ministry called The Anchor of Hope. And I'm telling you guys, as I sat and listened to Jim uh, share his stories at this widower retreat, and as I listened to the two of them talk about this, I was blown away. Wow. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this conversation with them. Yeah, you are going to love this conversation. Davey, before we jump into that conversation, I'd love to read you a review. I would love it. This one is called Healing and Hope. I've endured much tragedy, disappointment, and trauma the last few years. Mm. This podcast gives me hope for the future and lets me know I'm not alone. Wow. Short and sweet, but to the point, that yeah. is such a powerful, powerful That's why we were doing review. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember when, when we were talking about starting the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, first we didn't realize it would, you know, didn't think that it would grow into what it has grown right. into, but it was all about that idea. We don't want people to feel alone in their pain. Mm, there's, exactly there's so right. many other people who are journeying this same kind of thing that you're journeying. And so let's listen to how God has re- repurposed their pain. And if he can do yeah. it for them, he can do it for you as well. Well, let's go ahead and take a listen to Davey's interview with Jim and Ginger Ravella. Well, Jim, Ginger, I'm so excited to have you guys on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. Man, I know we've got a ton to talk about, so we're going to literally dive right in. I would love, um, uh, Ginger, you can go first, uh, and then Jim, uh, but I would love for you guys to just kind of tell us a little bit right now where you're at, context for your family right now, and then we'll kind of dive back into each one of your stories. So together, what what does family look like for Jim and Ginger Ravella? Well, we live in Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, we are a military family. Uh, I think once a military family, always a military family, even though uh, Jim is retired. And um, I have gotten the privilege to uh, to mother and raise five children and uh, and two stepkids, uh, Jim's Jim's boys, and and be a military wife uh, two times over. And um, I, I wouldn't be sitting where I'm sitting today, probably 
on your podcast or uh, even um, have the health that I have without uh, without the Lord uh, being my compass. Uh, even when I wasn't looking to him for direction, he was constantly um, guiding my journey. And, and even though I didn't grow up in a military family um, or a large family, even at that, uh, I, I've gotten to just... Um, to just sit in a very privileged space uh, and just uh, having a having a conversation with you about all that God has taught me and shown me in the last 50 years of living. Uh, and, and I'm just, yeah, I'm grateful to, to be here. So thanks for, thanks for having us. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Jim, tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what you do and um, you know, our listeners already know how we got connected, but okay. I'd love for them to hear from you. Uh, yeah, I currently work for the Gary Sneeze Foundation, so I've been in nonprofit for about seven years. Prior to that, I was active duty Air Force. I was a pilot uh, for 27 years, basically. Flew F-15s, and uh, yeah, I got to live my lifelong dream, which was was to be a pilot. My father was a pilot uh, in the Air Force, started in World War II, and, and uh, that was always my dream and my passion. So I'm very thankful that God gave me that opportunity to do what, what I always wanted to do. It was fulfilling and uh but uh, now what life looks like with Ginger, obviously we've both uh, remarried and now we're a family of seven. So I have been, mm. as I look at it, uh, my life is I've been parenting since 1985, which is my first son was born. So as we kind of joke about when the, when the last two walk out the door, I'll be just approaching almost 40 years of, of parenting. So I have uh, two sons that uh, my first wife and I had, one of adoptive, one of natural, and then I adopted Ginger's uh, five children after we were married. So wow. I have six adopted kids and one, one natural. So life is, <laughs> has always just been busy, as you can imagine, but beautiful in the way that God has literally walked with us every step of the way and yeah. shown us his love. And, and uh, I'm very thankful. I yeah. owe Jim a, a big fishing trip or something at the end of this, uh, <laughs> at the end of this journey. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, you know, it's so interesting to me is that, you know, we sit here and we're trying to squeeze this time together to tell your stories together and how God will, you know, and we could sit here and talk for hours and hours and hours about all of the ways that God has been faithful in your mm-hmm. journey. Jim, when I met you at the widower retreat, I was just so blown away by your depth of wisdom, your experience, the the unique role that you brought to that space. And, um, and, 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 and what I'm so, what I marvel at right now is the fact that both of you guys have said throughout the entire journey, the Lord has walked with us. And yet, mm-hmm. as we're going to find out here in a second, uh, you, you, your, your pathway has been marked by a lot of pain mm-hmm. by, by loss and, and hardship. And so, um, why don't you guys dive a little bit into that? Um, I know obviously your stories are two stories that are converging. Um, and so Ginger, if you want to take it first and kind of talk about your path and yeah. then, and then Jim sure. can go. Yeah, I, I married my college sweetheart. His name was Troy. He was a, a Texas boy and he was the son of an Air Force family. So, uh, he, he was familiar with that life. I wasn't, um, but I just, fell in love with him and would have followed him till, you know, whatever he was going to do. Mm. He was going to be a plumber or he was going to be a fighter pilot. And I, I, I knew that I was supposed to be by his side. And so we got married um, right after college and he joined the Air Force. And uh, we, in, uh, in the 13 years that we had the privilege of being married, we moved 11 times to two different countries all over the United States. We had five children together. And in September of 2006, he deployed to Iraq. And 
at the time we had five children who were under the age of eight, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, those were our sons, and then three little girls who uh, the oldest was three and twin girls that were six months old. And so, you know, we had a busy life and uh, Troy was instructing guys how to fly the F-16 in the Air Force. He was working for President Bush as, a, as a, an advance agent for Air Force One, and he was the wing commander's executive flying aide. So he was super busy, but, you know, he, it was not supposed to be an assignment where he was going to deploy. And so kind of rested in that, even though yeah. he worked 12 hour days, it was okay because he wasn't going in harm's way in my mind. And so when he left, it was... It was a, a turn of events that you know I wasn't expecting, but um, but I also was super confident that the four and a half months would be the hardest that I'd probably ever gone through in my life. But also, um, I was so proud of him, and I thought, you know, this has an end. This has an end date. Yeah. And so, um, three months into that deployment, when I got a knock at the front door on a Monday morning, right after Thanksgiving, uh, I can't say that it was a scenario I'd ever played through in my mind. And they came in and told me that Troy's F-16 had gone down in Baghdad in a combat mission uh, earlier that morning. And it had hit the news, of course. And, uh, and they wanted me to know that that was all the information they had. And they would come back and, and let me know as, as, as things unfolded. And so, you know, I, I don't remember a lot about that conversation other than I just remember screaming, you know, we have five kids. This yeah. this isn't happening. This just isn't happening. And Troy was like the stellar fighter pilot. He was there to teach guys how to fly in combat. So yeah. there was no way he didn't know what to do or something. Um, you know, th- th- it just was never an option in my mind that the Lord would allow in 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 two people who have really like we're living out their faith and yeah. we were, you know, lights in, in, in our community and the yeah. church and in the squadron and, and women's ministry and welcome ministry and parenting classes. And it's like, Lord, like this was not our deal. Uh, this was not the contract. And so, um, I figured though there's, he must've ejected, he may be injured, uh, but I'm sure that he made it out alive. And so when they came back and knocked on my door a second time, eight hours later and, and told me that, uh, when they had gotten into the crash site and upon viewing surveillance video from a predator, um, that had been filming the whole, the whole scenario where Troy had gone in, had saved a special operations unit that had had a crash landing and we're being overrun by Iraqi insurgents. And so Troy comes in flying low and fast um, and in and a very dangerous tactical maneuver to save their lives using the gun on the F-16. Uh, he lost his. And, uh, and the film showed that within maybe 15 minutes of the crash before uh, our U.S. military got into the crash site, that the Iraqis that he was tailing uh, got to him first. And so they had unharnessed uh, him from the jet seat and had rolled him up in a carpet and had put him in the back of a pickup truck and taken him as a war trophy. And, um, you know, I was 36 years old and I had five little kids and I had no idea, I had no no framework for what to do with that kind of nightmare. And... Um, I found out, you know, within about five days that from DNA, from the crash site, that there was no way Troy could have survived. Um, there was some skull fragments remaining in the jet wreckage and they said, you know, he couldn't have lived missing that part of his skull. But I, uh, I knew he was home with the Lord 
And I had peace in that, that I had peace in nothing else. Yeah. True. Wow. You know, Ginger, that what you just described is every uh, military spouse's worst nightmare is getting receiving that knock on the door. And, you know, there are a lot of folks that in, in anxiousness or in worry that they play that scenario out, you know, as if it's going to happen or they're concerned that it will, or they're afraid or they, you know, push it off as if I don't ever want that to happen, but that's in the back of their mind. You know, you, you said that that was a scenario that you had not seen play out at all in, in your plan. Uh, what do you attribute that to? I think, you know, I've always been an eternal optimist probably in life. And I think, again, I was reliant upon this, this silent handshake thing that I thought that we had with the Lord, that yeah. he was not going to allow, you know, that kind of suffering. I mean, suffering to me, that never, that never would have happened to us because yeah. I mean, how could it, right? We loved him and he's a loving God and, and just trying to reconcile that. So I, th- I think those two things, um, you know, really, and maybe they were, that was great. I didn't live with fear. I lived every day. Um, like there was always going to be a tomorrow and now I don't. And there's also some beauty in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What you're describing is, you know, really a place that every single one of us come to in the moments and the moments thereafter that we experience this loss, especially those of us who are, like you said, following the Lord, you know, we, we tend to think that we're really impervious to pain, to grief, to loss, to hardship. You know, when I lost my wife, we were church planters. We left everything that we, that was comfortable. That was like the dream job to go and pursue this really difficult task. But, you know, at least there was this, like you said, the silent handshake, this deal that we have with the Lord. And I had to do some untangling of that as well in the immediate aftermath and the, and the years to follow. But I wonder where, where you were at with the Lord, what in that immediate Mm -hmm. aftermath, you know, there's, you've got five kids, there's all the craziness, right. But where are you at? What, did, did God show up for you there? What, what happened? He showed up for me. Yes. And was I angry and did I shake my fist at him? Yes, I did both and went to a really dark place um, of depression and anxiety and insomnia that really played, uh, wreaked havoc, played into a lot of that. And, uh, and really, I mean, I honestly prayed every single day, I believe for about four or five months that the Lord would just take us all home. I mean, you know, I I wasn't going to take my life, but I would have signed up for pretty much any, any plane going down and bought all of my kids and I tickets. If I would have known that would have been the outcome because I didn't see a way out. And I didn't see that God could, um, you know, how could Romans 8, 28 be really true for me in this scenario. And, and I, uh, you know, I I really wrestled with him and, and, and I think, you know, Mm -hmm. as believers, we have to be okay with the wrestling and we, that's uncomfortable, especially for those of us that haven't done it before. And I think for the the outside world, especially because we were sort of on a a platform of, of church leadership, uh, then you really feel like, oh gosh, you know, I can't be struggling with my faith because I'm going to let all these other people down. And, and, and I just think, the longer I live, I'm like, God can take it. And those are the testimonies that have really, if you've been through the fire and and that was really um, what I feel like was uh, Jim and I both, you know, we went through the fire and we found out that there was one with us, just like, just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And, 
And I, and I had to start, you know, really living like I was going to live again, even when I didn't feel it. And I, and I had another widow that came into my life because I didn't really know any widows unless they were like 80, you know, at church. Um, I had a young widow come into my life and my story that I didn't know and just mm. said, spoke some real honest truth. You know, like you're going to have to, like, your story is not over. When it's over, you'll know it. Yeah. And, um, and you have to, uh, you have to keep saying yes and getting up every day and being faithful to, um, a God that still loves you and, and wasn't changing. And, and yeah. that's really, you know, where Jim and I, our lives intersected was, was wow. just those very words. Like God is unchanging, even though your circumstances may drastically change. Wow. wow. Hearing these stories of pain, healing, and purpose often stirs up feelings inside all of us that propel us to want to address our own pain. I personally love hearing from faithful followers of Jesus who have gone before me in their healing. It's inspiring, but it's difficult to know where to start in your own healing. As a ministry, we offer so many ways to help you progress on your pain journey, and one of them is through our partnership with Faithful Counseling. We know how hard it can be sometimes to find a Christian counselor that is close to you, which is why Faithful Counseling is online and worldwide, so you can receive virtual counseling wherever you are with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide traditional mental health counseling from a Christian perspective. In 24 hours or less, you can be matched with a counselor who you connect with at any time from your computer, tablet, or mobile phone. Whether you want to talk through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging, they work with you however you are most comfortable, including making sure your counselor is a good fit for your needs. If you start with one and they aren't a good match, you can switch at any time. Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for when you sign up. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted and sign up with that link to receive 10% off your first month of counseling just for being a part of the Nothing is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. Now, back to our interview. Okay, in, in just a second, Jim, I want you to talk to us about about your story, but there's something you said, Jim, and I hate to, man, this is probably going to be a spoiler alert, but I think it's so appropriate to what you've just set up for us, Ginger, but something you said at the widower retreat. Um, I've actually already said it on the podcast uh, in an intro and outro <laughs> as we were having conversations because it was, it was one of those moments, Jim, that like I felt seen and understood uh, for the first time in this context. And, and and what you said was something to the effect of the most private or personal thing about you has now become the most public thing about you. And, right. and Ginger, you know, as you're, as, as you've, you lost Troy and you're in this church leadership platform, and then you're also in this military community platform, he's become a war hero this has been something that became very public for you as well. How did you navigate those things? It did. You know, we, we had to have guards at our front door. We had the news hounding, trying to take pictures of the kids. And Troy's, uh, his body was filmed uh, by the insurgents that took him, drugged through the streets, you know, as propaganda 
uh, anti-America, anti-Bush, anti, you know, everything. I mean, it was like I was having briefings every day. We were on Fox and CNN. And I, I, I mean, I was like, wait, I was just a soccer mom yesterday. Yeah. I mean, what, what in the world? But, you know, I, I saw in, um, in those days where we really were on in a public uh, view that, that it was like, I needed to just be me. I needed to be real. I needed to be raw and say when the days were hard and long and say when God was faithful. And so I'm really thankful for the way that, that the Lord, you know, allowed Troy to go home because it was, he, he lived a life till the bitter end about other people and about true servant leadership. And, and he loved Jesus with all of his heart. And do I think he made the choice to leave us that day? No. But do I think that he made the choice to put his life on the line to love another? Yes, yeah. I do. And, and I will, you know, to the end of my days, um, I will want to share um, Troy's story, but the bigger story of just God's story. And so I, I didn't, uh, I didn't have any training <laughs> yeah. on how to do that. But, um, but I feel, you know, grateful that I've had the platform. Wow. Wow. Well, scripture says greater love is no man that he would lay down his life for his friend. And, and, you know, not, not many of us in life are put in a position where we have to lay down our life for our friend, at least lay down our physical life. We know we're dying every day right. for people that we love. That's the, the death and the spiritual. That's what the way that we're playing this out as followers of Jesus. But you know, your, your late husband, um, he put himself in a position where he was willing to lay his life down for a friend. And so he's a hero, not just on, uh, an earthly, you know, standpoint, earthly standard, but also in a, in a heavenly stand mm -hmm. standard. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll come back to you in a second, Ginger, and talk a little bit about some of that healing process. Cause I know Jim plays into that while you're experiencing this loss and this grief, Jim is experiencing his own as well. Jim, talk to us a little bit about your journey there. Yeah. So for my, my journey started in 2003, uh, when my wife, uh, found a lump in her left breast and went in and uh, found out that it was cancerous. So that began, you know, the, the shaking of our world, uh, of the contract that we had with God, same contract Ginger felt she had, uh, a common thought, I think, in an American church of when we are so concerned about comfort and that becomes such a priority to us that we think God's priority for us in our life is for us to be comfortable. And my thought was God loves me too much to let comfort come in the way of my spiritual growth and me having a relationship with him. And so God brought us into a trial where he drew me close to him in a way that could not have happened without it. So we began a four and a half year journey of, of cancer treatment that so many people know and can relate to. It's, it happens every day, unfortunately, and to thousands upon thousands of people, but it was personal to us. And, um, so when fast forward, Andrea's been in treatment for about three years, she's terminal and we are at chemo and we get the news that an F-16 had crashed in Iraq and the pilot was killed and he was a father of five children. Uh, of course, that was Ginger's story. Um, yeah. I didn't know Troy, but I knew I was flying fighters in North Carolina and Troy was out of Arizona at the time, but we knew his story. And we as a squadron and a base, you know, raised money for this family and sent support out to her to, to let her know that the 
fighter community is uh, grieving with her and, and uh, feel that loss for all of us. So that was 2006 uh, and for November for Ginger. And then in January of 07, so shortly after Ginger has suffered her loss and she's in her dark places, my wife gets uh, put into the ICU and the doctor says, I, I think this is what's going to take your wife. And so I went home that night after seeing her on a ventilator and realizing how sick she was and knowing the reality of what was happening and wrote an email to my friends and said, explaining the situation. And I just said, uh, God is unchanging though. Wow. His love cannot be circumstantial. I can't look at what's happening and see sadness and then apply that to God and who he is to me. Like he is now bad because this is bad. God had to be unchanging. That's who he said he was. And I had to believe that even though I didn't understand what I was seeing and I couldn't understand it and what I was experiencing, yeah. I had to know that that was true. I needed an anchor and I needed a God that was sovereign and unchanging, even if it meant I wasn't going to get what I wanted. And uh, so I sent the email uh, and it got forwarded from a friend of a friend to this widow in Arizona named Ginger. And she read it and wrote back and said, I would like to talk to this couple and began a 10 month email exchange between my wife, thankfully came out of ICU and uh, became an email exchange between Andrea and myself and this widow in North Carolina, in Phoenix, who was in a dark place, Wow! who wrote some pretty scary emails of what it was like to suffer and grieve and not understand God and be angry at God. And, and we did our best to, to help, you know, cause we felt we were, yeah. had dealt with death for a long time so we could speak with authority into her life. And, uh, and we helped as much as we could. And then, um, my wife ends up at the end of that year. So around the one year anniversary of Troy's crash, Andrew's back in ICU. Unfortunately, this time she does not come out and she passes three weeks later. And uh, Ginger wrote me and said, hey, I heard. And if you want to talk, you know, I'm here for you. You were you helped me. And I said, I I said, I'm sorry for anything I said to you that was stupid. Wow. Because I thought I understood what you were going through and what death was and pain. And yeah, because I had known I'd lived with death but I hadn't experienced it. And I just thought I did not know what I was talking about because I couldn't comprehend this grief that I had. Yeah. You know, and there I was in the dark place I saw her in. And, uh, and so Man. we, we ended up in Texas, you know, through God moments, we both ended up in Texas, uh, in Dallas on the same day. And we said, well, let's just meet and say hi because wow. we had only emailed and and uh so we met at, at the four seasons hotel in dallas in the parking lot mm. and it was christmas day which neither of us really knew because we were not <laughs> we were kind of running from christmas right um right. and uh we just parked and got out of the car and looked at each other and just hugged each other wow. and uh i just knew yeah. you know i knew this is you know truthfully i god have brought ginger in my life for more than just a conversation. Wow. And um, that was the beginning of our journey together. So, um, wow. Isn't it crazy? The connection that happens between two people who have experienced that kind of depth of of loss, 
You know, mm-hmm. I, I experience yeah. it every time I, you know, speak at a church or something and someone comes up and they share their story with me and it, it grips me. And maybe it's very similar to my story or something. And it's like, it just overwhelms you. There's this weird connection in the spiritual paradigm is what it feels like. You know, it's like mm-hmm. all of these things that you could say, but they can be left unsaid because you just get. Right. Yes. Yeah. We always say that, you know, the, the veil to me gets very thin between heaven and earth yeah. uh, when you've really walked a road of suffering with Jesus. And so it automatically, you have credibility, you have, mm-hmm. uh, you just, you just have an insight into someone's soul, just in a deeper level than you do before. Wow. And I think, you know, as we go on now and we minister to, to widows and widowers and, um, it, it it, it just, you can sit with people in their pain in a different way uh, than you could have without it. Absolutely. Yeah. Ginger, what, you know, what motivated you to, to reach out when you, um, you were in, I mean, you were in such a dark place, right? And were, were you, was it something where you were just grappling for some kind of sense of, uh, of an anchor and like, give me some answers here. What, what was it that motivated you to reach out in that situation? You know, I do believe it was the Holy Spirit that night because I was really overrun by emails and phone calls oh. and letters. And like I said, our, our story was so public. It was such so in the public eye that I and I was just barely hanging on by a thread. So I didn't right. even return. I didn't return my mother's phone call half yeah. the time. And so the fact that I was up that night and I saw that email and I think the friend that sent it to me, um, her name is Jennifer. And she said, I don't know. I, I think her first line was, I don't know these people and I don't know what to say to you, but mm. I want to forward this. And I think that got my attention when she said, I don't know what to say to you. Cause when people kind of come at you with like, here's everything you need to do and here's everything yeah. that you need to, to, you know, to to know I, I think that's when you're like you don't you don't have that kind of authority in my life but when she said I don't know what to say but I, I know you're struggling in your faith and um and I was transparent in that and I'm I'm really grateful I was because I've talked to a lot of people like you Davey after I speak and people will share something with me that they haven't shared with anybody in 40 years about a pain that a trauma that has been um so private and I am all for like, you got to get this out to yes. the light because it's in the light that, um, that there's healing and that you can find, um, support and help. And so I love your podcast that that's mm. exactly what you're doing. It's yeah. like, we're going to, we're going to let people share their stories in hopes that now you'll share yours yep. openly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I just want to note this, you know, as you guys were both walking through, uh, you know, some of your story timeline, just note this for the listener that each one of you got emotional doing it. Right. And I think that's what we're afraid of so many times is we're afraid. Well, if mm-hmm. I, sh- if I start sharing this, I don't know how I'm going to be able to control the emotions that are coming out. And, and I always try to help people understand, don't, don't worry about that because right. that's, that's part of the process. You're continu- there's layers and layers and layers of healing that has to happen. And the only way that can happen is through us externalizing this story and getting it out there because then we get to see the God story in it. Right. Then we get to see how God is beginning to weave and work in our stories. And it's those moments that make us feel overwhelmed by emotion, both in sadness and in joy of going, man, God's in this. This is overwhelming how much he is present in all of this. Well, we can believe lies. You know, it's very easy. Satan comes in at our weakest moments um, to tell us things that aren't true about the God that maybe we've always loved or a God that we don't even know. Um, and so I think, you know, when you can bring them to light in, in 
in safe places uh, where people can speak truth over you and uh, sing over you, you know, as I believe the Lord just sings over us in those moments of, of sorrow. And and Jim, it's, Jim spoke truth into my life and Andrea did uh, for those 10 months. And then now I thought I'm a little bit ahead of him. I, I can now reciprocate and speak some truth into his journey, never really imagining, you know, where that it would end up with right. us getting married, but, um, right. here we are. That's, mm-hmm. that's so powerful too, because Jim, you know, I just, I'm, I marvel at, you know, even the humility to say, Hey, I'm so sorry because I was, I was saying things to you and I wasn't fully understanding and to be able to articulate that. And then how just crazy providential it is, as you just talked about that ginger, that now the roles kind of get reversed in a little bit and you're ministering to each other. And then you're, there's this crazy weird connection that's happening between the two of you and God begins to write your story together. Talk to me about the ways that you saw God showing up in, in this thing now, as you guys were beginning to, you know, interact with each other and and this connection was forming. Well, the first thing was, um, so when I first met Andrea, I was, again, I was 18 and she was in the car next to me at a streetlight. Actually, I was a passenger and she was the driver next to me. And I looked over and I just thought, what is it about that girl? Something about her I want. I want, and it wasn't anything physical. I could see her. It was just something in her eyes. I said, there's something special about that person sitting next to me, the stranger. And we just started talking. And then we pulled over and kept the conversation going. And I was three, two months later, I asked her to marry me. I was 18. <laughs> I never really dated. I just knew it. I couldn't tell you the conviction I had in my spirit. Like this is, her. she is the one. Wow. And I asked Andrew to marry me. And three years later, when I got out of college, we got married. And as I journeyed through life, being raised uh, in a Catholic home, I really had no relationship with the Lord. That's just how I, it was for me. Mm. Um, I had religion. I knew of religion, but I didn't know God and I didn't know anything about him and that he cared about me and that he would care anything about what I did every day. But she did. She was a Pentecostal preacher's daughter and full of faith and, and God was so real in her life and so active. That's what I saw in her and that's what I wanted. And through our journey and almost 25 years of marriage, that's what I learned uh, living beside her. And it's really what I saw lived out in her, in her cancer, mm. in her journey to death, a faithful journey in laying her life down. Wow. And so that's when I saw Ginger and I felt a similar feeling, I was of course a little bit scared yeah. and confused. Um, it had only been a week. I'll yeah. be honest with your listeners. It's only been a week since my wife had passed. And that is insane. But I went home and I found, I was reading through Andrew's journals. She has a lot of writings and I found one from probably 1993. So this is 10 years before she ever had cancer. Wow. And it was just a dream she had. And she said, I had a dream last night that I found a lump Hmm. and the doctor told me I had six months to live. And she said, I went to Nick, who was our son. And he said, I told him, Nick, you're going to be okay. Don't worry. And she said, I went to Jim and I said, Jim, you need to remarry. Mm. And Jim asked me, how will I know who is the right one? And she wrote, I told him, you will know just like you knew with me. And she said, what a sad dream. And I read that dream and I went, that was a God moment. Wow. That was an unmistakable God moment. I said, I do not understand this. My youngest son was 15 
I was a colonel in the Air Force. I was close to retirement. And I had met this woman who had a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and twin two-year-olds. And I went, this is what God's asking me to do. And I watched Andrea lay down and stretch her arms out as if she was on a cross and laid her life down in front of me and for in faithful service to God of the path he asked her to walk. And I went, am I going to not walk the journey I feel he's calling me to because it seems like it would be hard in my physical life to go, I got to become a dad again to babies and diapers. And I went, I, I'm not saying no. How could I say no after what I just witnessed? And I, we, five months later, we were married and we began our life together. So it started with a God moment right off the bat. Jeez. Wow. It has been a long time dream here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries to be able to make this announcement. So friends, I'm excited to finally share with you that the Nothing Is Wasted podcast has expanded to YouTube. Here's what that means. Run, don't walk, and search for the Nothing Is Wasted Ministries channel on YouTube to access upcoming podcast interviews as videos. It is going to create such a fun experience for you to see these interviews with the incredible guests we get to talk to as if you were in the room with us. What's even more exciting is that we have been backlogging videos of episodes for quite some time. That means we will be digging up episodes out of the archives and releasing them on YouTube as well. So you're going to want to subscribe and follow our channel to not miss reliving your favorite episodes now with video. We also plan on putting up a lot more content that you have never seen before. So pause this episode right now Go to YouTube, search for Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, and subscribe and follow before you forget. See you on YouTube. Here's the thing, and I'm sure you guys experience this too. You can talk to two different groups of people and you can share those stories and one group just gets absolute like chills all the way through their body and they recognize, wow, God was in this. And how good is God, right? Mm -hmm. And other people would go, wow, God was in this. And how sick and twisted is that? Yeah. So as you kind of like think through that and you're, because you know, you guys, same question that you had, Ginger, how could God allow this, right? How do you guys untangle that? How do you, what makes you go, wow, God is in this and he is good. I think, you know, Davey, that I saw uh, that no matter how far I would run from him, he was always right behind me um, because he was always running after me and that he would provide what I needed for that day. And I really understood that scripture, you know, that talks about the manna for the Israelites, because um, sometimes it was just, I only had enough for an hour, but he'd give me what I needed for the next hour. And when I actually opened my spiritual eyes to really recognize that, I think I saw him in a whole different light. And, um, and it wasn't that everything was tied up in a bow because I mean, it took, uh, you know, when Jim and I came together, we had some, you know, some, his son was angry. Um, of course it was soon, it was fast. They were young adults. Um, I have grieving kids. I mean, we're, 
it's not easy to come together, you know, when yeah. you've had two really happy marriages that you never wanted to end and and then you're thrown into a new one and yeah. so quickly. And, and then, you know, Troy's body was still missing. The search was still going on. So my, my funeral, um, my funerals would be ongoing. We had three burials um, ultimately for Troy as he came home in pieces from Iraq. And I mean, so it, it, it was like, I think my understanding prior to, what happened to me was just to think that like everything gets tied up in a bow and then your faith is going to shine. And I realized that your faith is way shinier Mm -hmm. and brighter when it's not finished and we're still in it. I mean, we're still, you know, we're still in some Mm -hmm. spiritual battles. Um, with our kids, with, um, yeah. you know, with, with just trying to, to figure out, you know, Lord, yeah. what do you have next for us? But I trust him in a way now, um, because I've seen his goodness and yeah. in, in the land of the living and not just for heaven, which is right. kind of what I thought. I think after yeah. Troy died was like, well, I guess I'll just make some crosshatch marks on the wall of this prison life that I'm going to live until he, the day he takes me home. And, yeah. uh, and I just, now I see like even in even in sorrow and darkness and trials and tribulation and tragedy, like he is still so good and there is still hope and 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 we found it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because God is as you face a trial and you and you we all grapple with why, right? That's our yeah. first reaction. Because how can a good God do make this hard on me? Right. That's our earthly perspective of God. He should be making my life good, the contract we talked about. And we gladly, as believers, accept the goodness of the cross, the salvation we didn't deserve, that we did nothing for other than accept him. We run to that and we cling to it and we are thankful for it. Um, But being a Christian and a Christ follower, you know, does at times mean you're going to do some things that are hard. And sometimes the cross demands of us things sacrificially and as a believer, God, I couldn't let God just be a genie to me yeah. that I needed. And I would rub it, the lamp, and he would come out, give me what I wanted. And I'd put him away mm. to live my life. And I just brought him in when the need was there and he met it. And then I put him away. And that wasn't a Christian walk with me for me. And I've learned that through four and a half years of going through cancer. So my journey of the answer of why uh, thankfully, I processed with my wife, Andrea. Unfortunately, Ginger's processing of that was alone, which is the difference of our journeys. Um, but I just looked at the cross and went, when I knelt at the cross, mm-hmm. and I would put my hands in the dirt that was wet with his blood, and I would think I would touch that cross, and I would feel the roughness of the wood, and, and then I would look at him, underneath him and look up with his arm stretched out and his head hanging and him saying to me, this is how much I love you, Jim. Wow. And then I would say to him, but I'm not willing to do something hard for you. Mm. And I thought, how can I do that? That's my response to what he just gave me has to be, where do you want me to go? So if I hear God calling me to do something that's hard, I don't want to run from that and be scared from it. I really want to listen and pray and say, God, is that really you? Yeah. 
Like that's something I want to do, but are you telling me to do that? Because we will gladly hear what we want. Mm-hmm. I can pray to God for something I want and I'll hear my answer that I want to hear. And I think I did that a long time with Andrea's cancer. I prayed for her healing so hard and so that I would not hear any other answer from God except she's going to be healed. I was hearing my voice echo back to me in my prayers. I would go, oh, Andrew's going to be healed. But it was really just me not allowing God to say anything else but what I wanted to hear. And that's hard when it's, again, it's your wife and her life, yeah. the greatest, you know, and I'm, and I'm going to say, God, I'm willing to hear what I don't want to hear. And that's where I had to get in my prayer life. God, I'm closing off what I, my desires and tell me what you want. You are bigger than this moment. Yeah. And if this is your calling on her life, Let's walk it with faith. And I don't want to run from it because in wherever it is, if it's his will, it's where you want to be. Right. Even if it's the hardest, most hurtful thing you could do in that moment is where God is and what he's calling you through for whatever reason and purpose. And that's where I think you have to go when you deal with what's hard in life and things you may not want to do or seem crazy like marrying someone in five months that has a lot of kids that's everybody's telling you it's crazy i always say we were we were like jim's mission trip to africa you know (laughs) he was called he was called that's amazing that's amazing anyway well you know a couple of things that i just noted as you guys were talking there you know one gender you said it we're, we're still in the thick of it i think a lot of times people think that the bow gets tied on a story like this and it's like wow you know you had this loss and then you met each other and boom, magically, everything's all better. And it's no, that's not at all the case. And that's what we want to encourage those of you guys who are listening to this. And maybe you're feeling that you're like, where, where's my redemption story? That's the question we get a lot. Where's my redemption story. And I always tell people that your redemption story begins when you choose to take your pain and turn it around to help other people. That's redemption. You know, some of these these things where God restores things back to us, never to replace what we had, but to fill in those spaces, right? Those are just icing on the cake. Those are the things that show us the goodness of God here in the land of the living. But redemption is doing exactly what you guys are doing is walking in faith in the midst of the darkness and helping other people to see who God really is and how he can be trusted and how he is faithful in the midst of all of these things. Right. You know, one of the stories, Jim, that you told me at the widow retreat, and I was blown away by it. I would love for you guys to share this. Um, however you're accustomed to sharing it is how, how th- that 10 year period that Troy's body was brought over to the United States. That to me was such a God thing. And, uh, and I want our listeners to hear, hear this story. Well, I, uh, you know, I, in, in so 2006, he dies. In 2013, uh, we had some of his toe bones. Return to the embassy in Jordan by an Iraqi who, um, you know, they wanted money. They wanted, um, they wanted fame uh, for having him. And, and our military, our, our Air Force looked, uh, searched after those tow bones were uh, turned into that embassy and sent back to the States. And, you know, they were cross-matched and they were Troy's. And so they thought for sure um, they would find him, you know, and they dug up, uh, our military dug up a hundred Olympic sized swimming pools worth of graves wow. in Iraq, trying to find Troy's body. And, um, and after that year, fruitless, you know, year, they came to me and said, we have these toe bones. And 
And what, what do you want us to do with them? And I said, well, we're going back to Arlington. Mm. We're going to go bury those toe bones with a little bit of skull fragments. And when I was talking to the Air Force medical examiner over the phone, and this has been seven years since Troy died. So there have been a lot of healing. There have been um, some perspectives and some strength, you know, that, that he had given me in that time. And I said, I really want to understand to this medical examiner, I want to know what, what am I burying? Because I've got to under, I've got to understand it to be able to explain it to my children. Mm-hmm. What, what was buried before? What is buried now? And he, he hesitated like, ma'am, I don't know that you really want to hear this. Wow. And I said, I want to hear. Her. And he said, well, it's, you know, maybe 60 paper clips worth of weight of skull fragments. The top of Troy's skull was what you buried in 2006. And now, um, here seven years later, you'll be burying, uh, the, 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 uh, the tips of his, digits of his toes phalanges or something i was like i need him i need what's the real regular word for that he said just toe bones he said right the bones right at the tip of his toes so in that moment davy i began to weep because what the lord so clearly was showing me was you're burying the top of his head and the tip of his toes wow and you know what i've got the rest of him and i've got you and i've shown you in seven years my faithfulness and my goodness. And I went to that grave seven years later with kids who are grown, right? I mean, I've got kids who are in college at this point. And, um, and we stood there as a testimony that, uh, and it wasn't all finished. He wasn't in there, but that God was faithful and he had us. And and though I prayed for his return, I I fully prayed for his uh, return. I still had a peace walking away from that grave the second time, knowing whatever comes Mm. or whatever doesn't, my God is faithful. And so, you know, in, in just, uh, you know, six years or, um, let's see, that was 2013. So three years after that, uh, I was just at a volleyball tournament with my daughter who was in the eighth grade and the general called that Troy served under. And he said the three words I've been longing to hear and praying for for 10 years, which is Troy's been found. And I wept and the story was amazing and epic. And one of those Hollywood movie type stories, you know, where guys went in in the middle of the night um, and, and a rescue mission uh, unprecedented. Uh, in Iraq and and got him back and and so we went back for this homecoming um, and it wasn't the homecoming that I thought I thought our homecoming was going to be four months after the deployment started at the airport with my kids in red white and blue uniform you know little little outfits and signs and balloons saying welcome home daddy yeah. um, and it wasn't it was you know on the tarmac um, in Dover Delaware uh, watching his body be carried in a flag draped coffin. Um, but it was an answer to prayer. And so my kids have watched a miracle happen and that's what I hope they'll never forget. And it's really what our military is about. And as you know, we look to veterans day and, and honor those that serve. I mean, that is, that is the, that is the epitome of what they do, which is they never leave behind a brother on the field of battle. So help them God. And I'm so grateful though the bittersweet, you know, things that have come into my life because of being a part of the military have Mm -hmm. also been, it's been some of the most powerful, poignant, beautiful moments of my life. Wow. Wow. I think what's so beautiful about that story and even the phases in which 
Troy's bro- body was brought over is there was a season where you, like you said, the, the top of his head, the bottom of his feet, that was it, right? These bookends of his body and, and, and essentially the, the tomb was empty, which is this right. glaring reminder to us, right? That we, our hope is in the resurrection, that, that the tomb is empty. And that's why we can uh, look to a different day. We can look to a different reality. We can look into eternity and we can, we can know and hope that there, there's something beyond all of this. And then the Lord was faithful to say, okay, now I've got, you know, I've got more for you in this. And I want to, mm-hmm. and I, and I want to, I want to bring this into your life so that you can, you know, there's just so many beautiful things about the way God was doing that in your story. And I'm sure you've noted so many of those as you've, <laughs> you know, walked this journey in, in that, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by that. I'm blown away. Every time I hear the testimony of somebody in this kind of a way, I'm just like, God, you are so good. So good. He, he didn't, he didn't have to, to yeah. love us like he did. And he did. And I, I, when I was getting ready just 30 minutes ago, before we started this podcast, mm-hmm. I just threw on this sweatshirt. And then after I got ready, I said, Jim, is Davey going to show us on camera? (laughs) And he said, yeah, I think he is. And I'm like, I got to go change clothes. I have a sweatshirt on. And then I was like, no, my sweatshirt says hallelujah anyway. That's right. And (laughs) I'm keeping it on. That's right. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, you guys have, uh, you guys have written this book together. Um, I've got it right here. It's called hope found. And, um, you know, as I've been thumbing through it, I haven't had a chance to read all of it because Jim, you just gave this to me just last week. But you know, I, I'm I'm blown away by the the way that you guys have woven these stories together, and um and how you're you know obviously it's God's story in the whole thing, right? How He's woven your paths together. But I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about this and what your hope is for this book, Hope Found. Uh, well, it's just that it's I you know it's written to anybody who's going through a trial. No matter, it doesn't have to be loss and death. You know, some people go, oh, oh, I didn't have anything that bad. I go, it doesn't matter if you're if you're struggling with trying to figure out who God is, what you expected of Him, and what's happening to you. That's what the book is to speak to you about. It's it's to show you kind of our journey. So it's a it's a chapter of Ginger's story, a chapter of my story a chapter of our story together. And then from then on, the book is just things that we felt we had learned about God and who he is in his character mm-hmm. and through separate voices of experiences that we had. So truthfully, you could pick up any chapter of that book and, and go, I just want to, what did we learn about God being sovereign? And it may be wow. my voice saying, this is what it, what I learned in Ginger's voice. And it's just from then on, it's a dual voice. So it's, wow. it's to give hope. I mean, the, the cover of that book is a plant growing out of a rocky soil. Yeah. Uh, when I lost Andrea, a friend of mine lived in Hawaii, and I went out to see him just to get away. And she took us out uh, to where the volcano was erupting. And we went onto this field, and it was just lava, hardened lava. It was Everything was gone. It was just total destruction. And I looked down, and there was this little plant growing out of the crack of that lava. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's what I feel like. Yeah. But life comes back, yeah. and God is faithful. And that plant represented to me life that continues out of what we feel is destruction. Wow. And uh, that's the cover of the book. And I think that's our hope. I don't know. What would you think? Wow. Yeah. I think, you know, what Jim and I wrote about, so this is a dual voice book, male, female, mother, father, um, 
And, and but really what it is, is it was like two totally different journeys, yeah. but God is the same God. And wow. that's mm-hmm. what we talk about and what, what, you know, what I share about, um, in our, in our widows ministry, yeah. um, never alone widows retreats. And I know what y'all are doing, um, with, with, um, your retreats is just to really say, you know, all of our journeys are super different. What you walked through, Davey, was not what Jim and I experienced. Yeah. Um, but the but God, His love, who He is, His characters, His characteristics, um, it's all the same. Wow. And so, in that, we can come together with one truth and a whole bunch of different stories. Yeah. So that's that's really what the book's about. Wow. And in the midst of that, in the midst of your trial, that there is always hope. Yeah. Because God is faithful. And no matter what you see or what you feel or how dark it is, and we have both been in places so dark that literally we couldn't tell which way was up. And I know some of your listeners have been there. It's 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 a scary place where you feel like I don't even know where up and down is yeah. or any direction. But through faith and through God and through what he's probably shown you in your life, if you look back at things he's done for you, you will see hope. And we cannot as humans live without hope. Yeah. And there is no other hope than Christ. And that's what we have to remember. So the book is to remind people that in the midst of whatever you're going through, there is always hope. Yeah. And, wow. and we still preach it to ourselves. That's right. Yep. Yeah. We, we got to hear it too. this morning. <laughs> yeah, we had to. It's so true. It's so true. And, and Ginger, I'm glad you don't gloss over that. You know, I'm, I'm so glad because every single one of us are in that a similar journey as you guys. We all feel it. We're like... We're still in the throes of all of this. We're still in the midst of right. all of this. We're in the already not yet season. That's what life is, right? Until right. we step into the shores of eternity, until our bodies are completely glorified, until we fully and finally realize our Savior and we're staring Him in the face, it's going to be this this hard tension. And as long as we understand that, if we're not making these right. false agreements with God or these, you know, contracts with Him, if we understand what Jesus said that in this world we will have sorrow. And yet we can take yep. heart because he has overcome the world. Then we can it's walk. My favorite scripture. And you didn't even know that. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, it's man. True. Guys, this yeah. has been a phenomenal conversation. Again, I wish we had, we could sit here and talk for hours and hours and hours. And once you're a part of the nothing is wasted community, once you're always a part of it. And so I'm sure we're going to have you back to talk more about all kinds of different stuff and the things that God's teaching you. But I'm so grateful for you making this time for this special veterans day episode and thankful for how you've been walking out your stories. Well, thank you. And, uh, to all your listeners, you know, uh, you're in our prayers, you know, I mean, it's whatever struggle you're going through, um, never lose sight of the hope you have in Christ. Nothing is wasted. You're right. Perfect name. And it's nothing's wasted. Yeah. He'll use it. Allow him to use you always. And yeah, he'll take your pain and bless someone. Wow. I mean, wow is the right word. I am in in awe. Like, I'm in awe of their story, right? And their individual stories. And I mean, everything. I'm in awe of our God. Mm, And just like how he weaves things so intricately. He's so in the details of our pain. Mm -hmm. And he's there continually reminding us of his faithfulness at every turn. At every turn. It's unbelievable. Uh, just to hear testimonies like that. That stirs me up. That gets me 
Man, that I, I I borrowed faith right there. I was just thinking that it's Whew. such a like faith increaser to hear story hear stories like that. And we yeah. also just want to give a shout out a uh, huge yeah. um, sense of thanks and gratitude right. to our veterans. We are so grateful for you, and we are praying that God shows up in the details of your pain as yes. well. Yes, absolutely. As you're listening to this, as you've been listening to Jim and Ginger, as you've been listening to any of the other episodes on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, and maybe you're finding yourself in this place where you're like, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready mm-hmm. to partner with God to take back my story. We've got so many resources available for you at nothingiswasted.com. You can, uh, at nothingiswasted.com, you can find out more about our Pain to Purpose course. Um, whether you're a pastor, you want to offer it in your church, whether you're a small group leader and want to offer it in your small group, or whether you're an individual and you want to go through it or gift it to somebody else, you can find that there at nothingiswasted.com. You can also hire a certified guide to walk with you one-on-one through your pain journey. You can join one of our community groups all at nothingiswasted.com. While you're there, go ahead and subscribe to our email list. We'll keep you updated on new podcast releases, giveaways, blog posts, ministry updates, and more. So just make your way over there right now to nothingiswasted.com. We also would love to invite you to follow us on Instagram at nothingiswastedministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at Samp. And next week, we are joined by my friend, pastor and author Mitchell Lee. Uh, It's going to be a powerful episode you are not going to want to miss. Let's go ahead and listen to part of Davey's conversation with Mitchell Lee. Growing up in the church, I was always told how much potential I had, upside, Mm. oh, God's going to do great things through you, and oh, we can see God's hand on you. I was always the youngest in whatever it was at the church and, oh yeah, you know, we can just sense his favor on you. And yeah. they sincerely said it, but it's like almost time, every time they said it, there was like a brick on my mm. shoulders that they were laying on there. And huh. here's why I start there. So then when I'm graduating from seminary, about to unleash all of this potential and upside, yeah. the two months before I'm, I'm graduating from seminary, my senior pastor calls me in his office and he had heard that I was going to go on to do more studies, which wasn't true, but he never confirmed that with me. He just went out and hired my replacement. And then he told me, hey, you're free to go as soon as you graduate, probably in June, you you can go. And this was also the church that I'd grown up in. This is the church that I'd served in. This was the church of 20 plus years that I'd been at. And basically they fired me. Mm. And that sent me on this tailspin, bro, because I was like, I was... You can just imagine, right? You go to a commencement, you know, when you when your your seminary graduation, right. somebody stands up there and they're like, "Here's all the ways that you're going to change the world, and yeah. God's going to do this amazing thing." And I'm looking to my right and my left, and this person's going overseas, and this person's joining their church, and I just got fired. 